The reading is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, reading from verses 5 to 15. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Well, good morning. My name's Chris, and I'm very grateful to be back preaching here at Uterbridge with you guys this morning. Um, to be honest with you, as we start this talk, I, I'd like to say my prayer life is a struggle. It's a struggle. And forgive me for being presumptuous, but I think I'm probably on safe ground when I say I'm not alone in this, even within people within this room. And if that's the case for many of us, then listen up in this passage, because it's Jesus teaching us about prayer. It's from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, the Son of God, the perfect prayer the one who perfectly entrusted and obeyed God. It's Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. And it's written down in the scriptures for our benefits. You see, Jesus wants us, the people who believe in him, to share in the relationship he has, he has with his father, the relationship he has always had from his father from eternity. What a wondrous and magnificent thing that is and how important it is. So do listen up as we go through the passage. Just have a look um, at verse 5 together in our passage as it begins. Jesus says this, And when you pray to your Father, whenever you pray to your Father, you might say, you shall not be as the hypocrites. As a question for myself and you here today, do you pray, Christian? Do you pray? You see, Jesus assumes that we will be praying to our Father. Prayer has been described by some Christians as the chief exercise of faith. And that's quite challenging, isn't it? Challenging for me and I imagine for yourselves. But Jesus assumes here in this section on prayer as he begins that we will pray. And when we do, it shall not be as the hypocrites. That's the first point of my talk today. And it's this, when you pray to your father, be real. When you pray to your father, be real. You shall not be as the hypocrites, Jesus says. 
This isn't a suggestion from the Lord Jesus. No, it's the strongest way of giving a command in the language the New Testament is actually written in. You shall not be like the hypocrites. We say, what's a hypocrite? Well, here in our, mass- in our passage, it's the idea of an actor. An actor on a stage wearing a mask, playing a part. But that person underneath their mask, it's not what they really are. It's all an act. And just like an actor, the hypocrites in our passage, they love the attention of their audience. Just have a look at the text. They love standing up to pray in the places of worship, in the synagogue at the time. They love playing, praying on the street corners to be seen by people. Wow, look at these, you might say. What superb believers they must be. They're so faithful. But it's all an act. It's all an act. And there's a very solemn warning from Jesus here for people like that in this passage. You see, their audience might give the hypocrites the claps and the praises, but that's all it is. Amen, Jesus swears. He says, swears it solemnly. They have received their reward in full. They've received their applause, but that is it. They don't receive a hearing from the Father. They don't receive a hearing from him. And you might say, well, how's that a danger for me here today? Well, I might suggest that it's a danger for all of us, a temptation whenever we pray publicly. Maybe it's in the church or in the prayer meeting. Maybe it's when we pray with friends or with our family or even when we pray around our dinner tables for food. See, there's a danger in this when we pray publicly that we slip on the mask of the hypocrite. We pray to make ourselves look good in front of other people rather than being real with our Father. When you pray, you shall not be as the hypocrites, Jesus says. That's not how I pray, Jesus says. It's not the relationship I have with the Father, Jesus says. No. When you pray to your Father, be real. What's the remedy for this problem of hypocrisy? Well, Jesus goes on in verse 6. But whenever you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father in secret. Again, the assumption is from Jesus that we will indeed pray. And again, these are not suggestions by Jesus, but they are commands. It's what he wants us to do. You see, if you go into your room by yourself and you know that your father's there and you believe in him, well, you actually believe that he is there, don't you? Even when no one is around, you know God is there. And he's the one you need the audience with, not anybody else. Go alone into your room, Jesus says. Get alone with the father. Make sure no one else can see. Go where there's no possibility of playing the part for anyone else. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will hear your prayer and reward you in the open. Such people like this are people who pray who are real with the father. And they're the ones who are heard by the father. They're the ones whose prayers are heard and answered. How wonderful. You might say to me, well, how do we do this practically when I'm at work? What home? Why not go to your bedroom? Why not go into your study or get alone with the Father? Even go into the bathroom. 
That's what I do at work when I want to pray when I'm in my clinic. Okay? I, I either close the door or more often I go to the bathroom for two minutes and I pray. I'm not ashamed to say that. When you pray to your father, be real. When you pray to your father, be real. And what's our manner of prayer when we pray to the Father? We'll have a look at verse 7. While you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, Jesus said, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, Jesus says, for your Father knows what things you need before you ask him. When you pray to your Father, Jesus says, be real. Again, if you know God the Father, you know he's there, you know he's listening to you, then don't go on babbling like pagans who don't know God. Again, it's a command from Jesus, not merely a suggestion. Remember whose presence you're in when you go to pray. The Father genuinely knows what you need before you even ask him. He's God's. There's no need to gild the lily with God. There's no need to try and twist God's arm. There's no need to try and wear him down with many words. That's what the pagans do, Jesus says. But you must not be like them. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Trust him. He's a good father. He knows what you need and he is willing to give it to you. He knows what you need as a loving father. And in his time, he will answer that prayer. When you pray to your father, be real. Going on, Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Again, surprising, not surprisingly, we probably know what I'm going to say. It's not a suggestion for Jesus, but it's another command. Maybe you'll begin to grasp, like I did when I prepared this sermon, that Jesus not only assumes that we will pray, but he cares immensely how we pray. Seems to be the only conclusion from the language that Jesus Jesus uses in this passage. And this following prayer, the Lord's Prayer, very famous prayer, it's the prayer that my mother taught me when I was very young. This prayer is a pattern for us. It's a pattern Jesus uses in his prayers when he prays. And he wants us to use it as our pattern again and again and again, all throughout our lives. So our second point of this talk. When you pray to your father, pray like Jesus. When you pray to your father, pray like Jesus. Look at verse 9. Our Father in heaven is how this prayer begins. It's a very odd thing that I've perhaps never really noticed before, but it's, it is there. It's a corporate prayer. It starts with our Father. It doesn't start with my Father. It's our Father. It's a prayer Christians pray for themselves, yes, but with other Christians and for other Christians. It's a prayer the Lord Jesus Christ himself prayed while he was on earth as one of God's people for himself and for others. And we pray it to our Father in heaven, almighty God, the sovereign Lord who decrees everything according to the counsel of his own will in heaven. It is him we pray to and we call him Father. 
What an amazing thing. You see, God has many names in the Bible, many, many glorious names. But the name that Jesus addresses him here and frequently in the New Testament is that of Father. And because of Jesus, we can and we should call God, the almighty God, our Father. What an amazing thing. I can I ask you here today, Christian, is it the name that is on your lips when you pray to your Father in heaven? It should be. It should be. Because if we understand what the Lord Jesus has done for us, we understand what the Father has done for us by adopting us in Christ as his children, by putting his spirit in our hearts, then indeed we should, we must cry out as Jesus does, Abba, Father, Father. Christian, I ask a pointed question to you, and I ask it to myself as well. Is our lack of prayer, is our lack of prayer due to the fact that somewhere deep down we don't fully grasp that God is our Father? We secretly doubt that relationship. Poor God, after all he has done for us, after all he has done for us, Father, we believe, help our unbelief in that matter. When you pray to your Father, Christian, Pray like Jesus. Let's have a look at verses 9 and 10, how this prayer starts. The first thing Jesus prays for when he prays to his Father, our Father. Look what he says. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are they the first things we ask for when we pray to God? We pray to our Father. Well, there's a pattern here. Jesus desires us to be praying for these things. They're the first things on his mind when he prays to his Father. That his Father's name, the name above all names, would be sanctified or hallowed or kept holy. Let your name, Father, be sanctified now and for all time. And the next request Jesus makes is linked to that. Let your kingdom come, Jesus says to his Father. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, sadly, in this world, friends, there are many people who do not sanctify the Father's name. There are many people who are not part of his kingdom and certainly do not do his will. But Jesus' prayer here in the Lord's Prayer is for those things to actually happen that the Father's name would be honoured, that his kingdom would increase. And believe it or not, that is actually great news for people like us, sinful people like us. It's great news. You see, Jesus is praying for his Father's mission, the mission of God, that by the preaching of the gospel, more and more men and women and children would actually be brought into the Father's kingdom, the place where the Father's name is sanctified, kept holy, where his will is done on earth as it is in the heavenly realms. And you say, well, where is that place on earth? Well, it's here. It's in the assembly of God's people. It's in the church. Christian, Jesus desires you to pray for your father's priorities. For his kingdom to increase, for his name to be kept holy. Can I ask you, how are you doing that? 
How are you praying for God's kingdom to increase? Which people do you know who don't know Christ? Are you praying to come to the Father through Jesus? Which Christians are you praying for? That they would become more like Christ. That they would become more Christ-like and honouring the Father more day by day. Which children are you praying for, Christian? That they would grow up knowing God and calling on him out with pure lips, calling him Father. My wife and I, how do we do this practically? Well, we use an app called Prayer Mate. I'm not saying that's the only way you can do it. People have kept lists in the past. But it's important to try and be regular with this. You see the Prayer Mate thing I use? You put names into a list and it gives you other Christians around the world and other things to be praying for. And it, every day it comes on and you gives you a list of people to pray for. It keeps those people on your mind. It keeps you bringing them before God. And that can only be a good thing. And this prayer that Jesus makes here is also for the complete reality of those requests to come quickly. That the great day of the Lord would come when the concrete reality of the Father's good rule will be seen by all. The day when the, far, the righteous will receive the kingdom, the Father's prepared for them before the foundation of the world. And the day when everything and everyone who works wickedness will be rooted out of the Father's kingdom into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. It is indeed a sobering, a fearful, an awesome thing to pray to God, your kingdom come. But we must pray it. We must trust our Father to pray this prayer and to let him answer it as he seems best. And that includes everything. It includes the eternal salvation or the eternal judgment of everyone. We must trust our Father that he is a good Father, that he is as just as he is merciful. When you pray to your Father, pray like Jesus. Now, after such a lofty prayer, look how seemingly down to earth the next request that Jesus makes is in verse 11. Give us today our daily bread, he says. Now, I don't know about you, but in the rich, you know, a rich country like the UK, we kind of often look at that prayer and we, we don't bat an eyelid. But in the ancient world, and indeed in many countries even today, this prayer is life and death. Many people in the past and now live hand to mouth every day. You go out, you do some work, some labour, and you're paid. And you use that money immediately to buy your bread for you and your family. If you don't get that daily bread, you go hungry. Jesus wants us to be praying this. Give us today our daily bread. It's corporate again. It's not give me, it's give us. We pray for all believers as we say the Lord's Prayer. And may I suggest to you that doesn't just include food, but it includes all our daily necessities. You see, our Father knows that we need these, and he desires us to pray for them nonetheless, because they all spring from his hands. It's right that we ask. It's right that we're grateful when we get them. The food we receive at the supermarket or the food bank, the water we get out of our taps or from the well if you're somewhere else, even the air we breathe. They all spring from the hand of your heavenly Father. That does everything. 
day to day, just as it did for Jesus when he was on the earth. Let's not presume or be ungrateful, but respectfully ask our Heavenly Father for ourselves, for our brothers and sisters, for him to give us our daily bread, to keep us alive. When you pray to your Father, pray like Jesus. Have a look at the next verse in verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now I must admit this part of the prayer is a real rebuke for me as well as an encouragement. You see, the first thing I often say to my father is, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me for this sin. Forgive me for that sin. Forgive me for my debts. But look at where this confession actually occurs in the prayer. It's not front and centre, is it? And isn't that wonderful? How encouraging is that? Yes, I need to ask my father to forgive my sins and my debts. And yes, it's what Jesus desires for us. It's in the prayer. But the relationship of God being my father is there before I even ask him. I don't crawl up to the father as someone who is not dear to him. No, I don't beg his mercy as if he were not willing to give it. Forgive us, Father, when we do that. No, I call on God as Father. And I'm even given the honour to pray for his priorities, his name, his kingdom, his will to be done. My daily necessities, my bread, before I ask for forgiveness for my sins. Doesn't this show how, how he has bound himself to us in fatherly affection? Doesn't it show how eager he is to forgive our sins, our debts? And how could he not, Christian, I ask you? Because his own son, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the cross. And he fully paid our debts. No, Jesus had no debt, no sin to confess to the Father himself. He was sinless. But as the suffering servant of the Lord, as our suffering servant, he confessed our sins. He died for our debts. And because of Jesus, we can be heard by the Father and forgiven. And if you're here today and you know Christ, rejoice in that. You can ask for forgiveness. You can call God Father because of what Jesus has done for you. For his perfect law keeping. For dying for your sins on the cross in your place. We can't rely on our own feelings. We can't rely on our own motives, our own works when we come to the Father's presence. No, they will never be pure but we can rely on Christ and come in Christ before the Father. When you pray to your Father, pray like Jesus. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, I must say to you, this message is for you as well. Jesus desires sinful people, ungodly people, people like me, people like Chris here, people like anybody who's a Christian. God wants people to come to Jesus. Through Jesus, we are brought to the Father. And we get the Father's ear. And that's the only way we can come. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I would exhort you today, if you don't know Christ, come to Jesus. Come to the Father through him. Turn to Jesus and trust him. Turn from your sins. Come into the Father's kingdom. Have his ear in prayer through Jesus. 
And if you've done that, don't keep it to yourself. We'd love to hear your news. If you've got questions, come and find Chris or one of the other church leaders or myself after the sermon, after the service. We'd love to speak to you more about Jesus. We really would. Going on. Verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus asks us to pray. This request, this prayer shows our utter need for our Father to help us against spiritual attack. And yes, it is a prayer that Jesus prayed when he was on the earth. He was utterly dependent on his heavenly Father, on the Holy Spirit to enable him to accomplish his mission. And it was hard. He faced temptation. You can read about it in Matthew chapter 4. He faced the evil one. He faced a testing and a temptation we will never know the extent of. But Jesus prayed to his Father this prayer. And he wants us to do it too. He wants it to be our pattern. A lot of English Bibles translate this phrase as deliver us from evil. But I suggest the more correct translation is deliver us from the evil one. Praise God that he does deliver us many, many times. Even on your drive to church today, he has been with you and has delivered you from many evils. But like Jesus, all Christians do suffer. We get ill, we die. Some of us are persecuted in terrible ways. And it's the Father himself who actually leads his people into those difficulties, into those evils. You know, the pattern for us is like Jesus. We must suffer first and then glory after. Even Jesus wasn't spared from the cross. But our Father does deliver his people, always from the evil one, always. You see, Satan has no hold over the Christian. No hold whatsoever. Jesus has defeated that wicked one by his death and resurrection. Satan cannot touch the Christian. He can harass. He can tempt. Yes, but he is a chained devil, a bound devil. And he always will be, praise God. When you are tempted by the wicked one, what should you do? Well, do what a child does when it encounters difficulty. Who's the first person a child goes to? It's to their dad. Come to your father and tell him, Father, help me. Deliver me from the devil. Deliver me from temptation. I need your help. Deliver me from this foe. You see, the evil one is no match compared to your father. Not at all. He's not even a maggot or a worm compared to your heavenly father. Yes, he can harass and tempt you. But he can only do that as much as your father allows him to. Christian, your heavenly father, the one you can call father, is sovereign over all powers, earthly and spiritual. When you pray to him, pray like Jesus. And lastly, as this prayer ends, this beautiful doxology or request of praise, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. What a way to finish this wonderful prayer with praise to our Father. Yours is the kingdom, Father. You are the king. Yours is the power. It is all yours. It's not ours. Yours is the glory. All yours. It's not ours. 
And how fitting is it is for us, of children of our Father, to praise and glorify and delight in him. When we say amen at the end of that prayer, what a wonderful thing it is that we can leave our prayer to God. We don't need to be twisting his arm. No, we can leave it in God's hands. Leave it in his hands, Christian. Amen. It means, so let it be. When you pray to your father, pray like Jesus. Now, lastly, I want to dwell on one more thing Jesus says in this passage, and it is important, so listen up. And it relates to the request, how we pray to our father, to forgive us our debts. We say, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And if you look at verses 14 and 15, you will see that Jesus singles this out. He expands on it after he teaches how to pray. It must be important. That's the only conclusion we can make. He says this, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. It's important. Jesus has flagged this up and it is important for us. It's my final point. When you pray to your father, be merciful like him. When you pray to your father, be merciful like him. You see, unforgiveness is a truly wicked and evil thing. You know that and I know that. When we harbor a grudge, when we don't forgive, then it festers. It's like an abscess. And we know it does that. Destroys relationships. Destroys marriages. Destroys churches even. But for all that, our unforgiveness is worse. It's worse. And it's deadly. It kills. Why? Well, it cuts us off from our Father. From his forgiveness. How can we come to our Father? How can we come to the King who can see our hearts? And have the audacity to ask for forgiveness, to ask for mercy, when we are being unmerciful ourselves to others. How can we expect him to forgive us when we refuse to forgive other people? Friends, consider the magnitude of your offences against your heavenly Father every day. Just consider it for a second. Consider it is, consider it who it is you sin against. Consider that your sins sent your father's son, the Lord Jesus, to the cross to die a shameful and painful death. It's this heavenly father we sin against every day. The one who has shown us mercy. The one who has loved our soul from eternity. If he's shown you such mercy, he's given his only begotten son for you so that you might be forgiven if he's put his Holy Spirit in your heart, can you honestly foster unforgiveness in your heart to anybody else? By Christ's grace, I implore you, when you pray to your Father, be merciful like him. Do that today. Don't put it off for another second. Bow your head. Pray to your Father for your hard-heartedness, for your unforgiveness of others, and forgive others their trespasses against you. Don't wait. Don't let it fester. You see, in the prayer when we say to God, forgive us our debts, Father, as we forgive our debtors, the assumption is in that prayer that our forgiveness of others is not a one-off thing, 
but it's something we should be doing all the time, something customary or habitual that we do again and again and again and again. People are going to sin against you, but we must forgive them. Don't cut yourself off from your father's forgiveness. Don't do that. Forgive your brother or your sister. Forgive your fellow man who upsets you or sins against you in the workplace. Parents, forgive your kids when they sin against you. And kids, forgive your parents when they sin against you. Yes, sin has consequences. I'm not saying that we can just sweep it under the carpet. Some sin requires redress. Even in the courts, it requires justice. I'm not saying that that shouldn't happen. But in your relation to somebody else who has sinned against you, in your heart attitude against them, forgive them. Forgive them in order that your heavenly Father will forgive you. I implore you, when you pray to your Father, be merciful like him. When you pray to your Father, Christian, be real. Pray like Jesus and be merciful like him. Amen.